Welcome to Quantum Kingdom Life. I'm David Hirabini. My wife and I host a Wednesday night Bible study in Central Florida. You're welcome to come. Contact us off the website if you'd like to come. And we're going to get right into part two of angels. Last week we talked about angels among us. I'm going to do just a brief recap so we can kind of flow in. And then we're going to learn part two, how to activate angels biblically. We don't command angels around, but when we're in alignment with God, God will put a word in our mouth to speak. And those words that we speak in alignment with him, with the word he puts in our mouth, they respond unto the voice of his word. But it's a voice-activated kingdom. How did you get born again? You believed with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you confessed with your mouth. It is a voice-activated kingdom. Can God... Hear your silent prayer? Absolutely. He can and he does. But if we look biblically, often he asks us to declare a thing. He asks us to speak a thing. He asks us to proclaim a thing. And he asks us to participate with him because we're made in his image and likeness. God framed the world with his word, Hebrews 11. And he also spoke the worlds into existence. God said, and bang, there it was. There's a Big Bang Theory for you. God said it, and bang, there it was. If you want to believe in the Big Bang Theory, believe in the biblical one. And so God speaks, and the Holy Spirit brings into existence the word that is spoken. So Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve or to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Who will inherit salvation? All that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. They are inherited and they are adopted into the family of God. If you don't know him, he wants to know you. And he wants you to know him even as you're known by him. So that's available as well. Psalms 91.1, 91.11. For God shall give his angels charge over you and to keep you in all your ways. He will command them to keep you from dashing your foot against a stone. So you might have been in a car accident, don't know how you came out of it without a scratch. Angels were released in response to someone's prayer, a voice-activated kingdom. The word angel is used 199 times in the Bible. The Hebrew word for angel is the word moloch, and the Greek word is angelos. The definition of an angel is a messenger, an envoy, one who has sent an angel, a messenger from God. Angels are revealed in three different forms in the Bible. One, they're supernatural beings, Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. Two, in the likeness of men, Hebrews 13, 2. And Judges 13, verse 2 and 26. And also invisible ministers, which is the most common way we experience angelic ministry. Exodus 23, 20 through 23. And also Matthew 4, 11. We're going quickly because we're doing a recap. If you'd like to get the fuller presentation of angels amongst us, you can go back into our site and just pull up part one. The different kinds of angels, I'm just gonna name 10 real quick messenger angels like Gabriel, warring angels like Michael, worship angels like Lucifer, healing angels, protection angels, provision angels, prosperity angels, writing angels, heralding angels, and angels that are sent to you by God to give you new ideas and witty inventions. When deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, Job 33 verse 14 reading on says, God will then seal your instructions turn you from wrongdoing. He'll wake you up with a song in the night. He'll sing you to sleep as you go to bed. And he will give you witty ideas and inventions and dreams and visions of the night. Often 
he'll do that through the ministry of angels. And so we're getting ready to go into three things. So angels minister in three ways, three primary ways. They minister to us, they minister for us, and they minister with us. They minister to us. Jesus in Matthew 4, 11 was tempted by the devil three times. He overcame the temptations, and then the devil left him for a more opportune time, and then angels came and ministered to Jesus. Hebrews 1, 14, aren't they all sent forth, angels sent forth to minister uh, for us, for them that are heirs of salvation. So they minister to us, they minister for us. And then Revelation 19, 10, an angel fell down, or appeared in, and, and John the Apostle on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation had a vision and he saw an angel and he fell down at the feet of the angel. And the angel says, do not do it, get up. I am your fellow servant. They work with us. So they minister to us, for us, and with us. And we're going to learn how to cooperate with angels tonight and activate angels biblically by coming to an alignment with God to release heaven's will for us to fulfill our assignment in the earth. How exciting that we have angelic ministry that ministers to us when we need to be refreshed, that ministers for us and goes and does things in our behalf and also they minister with us, co-laborers in the harvest. So let's get into the four primary ways to activate angels. The four primary ways to activate angels. Are you ready? Say, come Holy Spirit, send your angels that we might better understand you. Holy Spirit, give us wisdom and guidance that we might operate and recognize angelic ministry and learn how to cooperate with the Word, the Holy Spirit, and with your holy angels. So buckle in, put on a seatbelt, we're getting ready to go. <laughs> so the four ways to activate angels, there may be more, but I want to focus on these four that I am aware of, and there's so much more to the Word of God that we don't know. Uh, he just gives us revelation after revelation. You never get bored with him. Years ago, I was 1990, I was minding my own business in Leavenworth Penitentiary in a prison cell where Jesus had visited me and I'd opened up the Bible and I was reading Matthew chapter 7 for the first time and it said, ask, it will be given, seek, and you shall find, knock, and the door will be open. And as I did that, I remember saying to the Lord, you know, what am I going to do after I read the Bible? What do you want me to read next? Like now, once I conquer the whole Bible, what do you want me to read next? And I didn't realize you can read the Bible your whole life and never conquer all the revelation that God wants to give you from it. And in a vision, he showed me Matthew 7, 7 and 8. And it said, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find knocking over. And I saw behind the letters another set of letters. And as this set of letters came up, through my eyes it's like came right through the I understood the general interpretation of that verse ask seek not and then beneath it was another set of letters that had come to the top and behind those was another set it was another layer or another depth of God's revelation and it was ask and it will be given seeking you shall find knocking the door will be up and I realized practical application I need to actually ask seek and knock and so once that happened it was like it went through right into my mind, and I was another set of letters. And then there was a prophetic implication 
of the scripture. So outer courts, revelation was general interpretation. Then it was an inner courts, practical application. Not Jesus being a hearer of the word only, deceiving our own selves, but doing what it says, putting it into practice. And then the third was a prophetic implication of scripture. And I look, and there was a total of seven layers of revelation in that one verse. And I came out of the vision, and no longer did I have a desire to conquer the Bible and then go read a bunch of other books. I realized there was enough books inside the layers of revelation of Scripture when the Holy Spirit gets involved that you'll never, ever be bored with God. A friend of mine told me one time, he said, David, he says, the Bible is both the most exciting book to read and the most boring book to read. And I said to myself, well, can you explain that to me? He said, yeah. He says, when you read the Bible and you begin to go out and do what's in it, you begin to apply what's in it, the Holy Spirit gets involved and it becomes the most exciting book, the living word on the planet. And he confirms his word with signs and wonders following. And he'll put you in the school of the spirit and it becomes the most exciting book because it comes alive. He says, but when you don't want to do anything in the book, it becomes the most boring book in the world. It becomes a letter of the law that's dead. But when you begin to do the work and the will of God and begin to apply it in action, it becomes the most exciting book. And it's always your choice. So anytime that I became rote reading the scripture, it became dry. I said, God, I'm going to go out and do it. Give me revelation. What's it say? They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'd go out and I'd start to lay hands on the sick and God would confirm his word. And I'd come back and I'd find out what the word said about it because I'd experienced things out doing the work of God that would drive me back in to the word of God so that I might get a fresh revelation of the will of God. And out of those times is where came this teaching on angels and how to activate them. So there's four ways. You can say four. One, four. two, three, four. It's okay. Four. So they all start with the letter P in the English language. So the four ways to activate angels are simply this. Number one, prayer. Prayer will activate angels. Number two, the presence of God will activate angels. Number three, proclamation or declaring a thing will activate angels. And number four, paying vows unto the Lord will activate angels. So let's just go ahead and read a verse. This is Job chapter 22, verse 26 through 30. Job chapter 22 to verse 30 in the Amplified Version. Job's the uh, oldest book written, they say, in theology school. And I love theology school, but I'm going to tell you what, where life becomes real is not with head knowledge, but when you begin to apply it, and it becomes heart knowledge, and theology becomes neology, and you get on your knees and begin to pray, and God begins to speak to you to get up and go do something. Job chapter 22, verse 26, Then you will have delight in the Almighty, and you will lift up your face, your presence to God. You will make your prayer to Him, and He will hear you, and you will pay your vows, you will also decide and decree a thing or proclaim it, and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. When they make you low, you will say there's a lifting up. And the humble person, he lifts up and saves. Now listen to this. This is God's promise. He will even deliver the one for whom you intercede. 
who is not innocent, yes, he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. How is that possible that someone who's not innocent or guilty, when you begin to intercede, they will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands? That's a powerful verse when we pray for the lost. It's a powerful verse when we pray for our children that are wayward prodigals. It's a powerful verse when somebody's committed something that just seems to be an unpardonable sin. God will deliver one who's not innocent when you begin to intercede through the cleanness of your hands before the Lord. So when you walk right before God, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you by your Father which is in heaven. Then you might say, well, I don't want to pray for somebody who's guilty. God delights in mercy. He delights in forgiveness. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked repent. Let me bring it home to you a different way. God delivered you and me who were not innocent Mm -hmm. through the cleanness of Jesus' hands Mm -hmm. on the cross. Does that change things that Jesus was hung up for your hang-ups and mine? Mm -hmm. And now we can intercede with the heart of the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, regardless of what they've done, but they shall inherit everlasting life. When you have the heart of Jesus, you'll say, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. I've said this before. I'll say it again. We can never effectively reach somebody with the love of God and the message of God until our love level being filled with God is above the person's issue level. If your love level is here and their issue level is here, you'll not win in preaching the gospel. You'll beat them with the letter of the law. But when your love level is above their issue, when you can look down on them and lift them up instead of looking down on them and judge them with the letter of the law, the letter of the law killeth, but the Spirit of God brings life. Jesus looked down on us from the cross, but his love level was so much greater than our sin level that he redeemed mankind. Are you willing to allow him to fill you in prayer, applying meanology, getting on your knees? and learning about God. Martha was busy about doing work, making Galilee and fish sandwiches, but Jesus said he never ordered. Mary was at his feet in neology as Jesus taught theology. You can have all the theological understanding. You can go to cemetery, I mean seminary, and you can graduate with all the degrees And guess what? If you don't have neology, it's the letter of the law that killeth instead of the spirit that bringeth life. I'm all about good doctrine. We like to anchor things to the morning of Scripture. We like to be within the trusty 66 books of the Bible between those two fine Corinthian leather covers. But never get it twisted until we have the love of God that bypasses the understanding. We want to make sure that we operate out of that overflow of the Father's love so everything's bathed in mercy and grace because there's enough justice getting people what they really deserve to where if you give them something that they don't deserve which is grace and merited favor God will change the heart 
of the wayward, he will change the heart of the sinner. So, the four ways to activate angels. Number one, prayer. Don't you realize, Jesus said, that I could ask my Father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly, Matthew 26, 53. Jesus did not answer a mumbling word. He could have avoided the cross. He could have called for 10,000 angels, but he didn't. Why? Because he didn't look to the cross. He looked through the cross to the other side because he saw you and he saw me. We were desperately in need of a Savior. And he said, Dad, send me. I'll go. I'll give my life for them. And he did. So Jesus could have prayed and angels would have been released. The first way in which we can biblically activate angels is through prayer. And as they were praying for Peter in Acts chapter 12, here's what happened. Peter was locked in prison. They had him chained to a soldier. And in response to a prayer meeting that was occurring, what happened was this. God released an angel of deliverance in response to the prayer of Christians on behalf of Peter. And an angel came in and unlocked the chains while the soldier was still asleep and then said, Peter, come on, get your stuff, let's go. And the angel led him to the gate of the prison and then the prison doors opened up. Angels are so powerful. How were they released? They were released because of prayer. So when you pray, God will send angels. That's just number one. There's four ways to activate angels. Prayer when we spend time with God in prayer, God often answers prayer by sending his angels. These angels include angels of healing, angels of provision, angel of protection, angels of comfort, favor, divine connections, new ideas, dreams, witty inventions, writings, whatever it may be that you need, God will send an angel to make provision. A friend of mine was preaching in communist Cuba years ago, and um, as he was over there, he was the first Pentecostal preacher to be allowed back into communist Cuba. This was probably, I think, in the 80s. And, and uh, long story short, he said that there was a family there that made it through the 20 years that their husband, pastor, or their pastor husband did in prison for preaching the gospel in communist Cuba. And here's what happened. They would be completely out of food. The mother and the three children that were praying any day their father would get out of prison. He ended up doing 20, but he was delivered finally and reunited. But during that time, they didn't have money, they didn't have food, and every couple of weeks they would get on their knees and they would have a prayer meeting and they would cry out to God. And what would happen is all the doors would be locked, the windows, everything would be locked up, and all of a sudden, about an hour or two into the prayer time that they would have, they would hear doors slamming, in the kitchen and cupboard slamming and this and that and then it would stop after you know several minutes and as they would come out of prayer their shelves would be stocked mm -hmm. with food god sent the angel of provision to put groceries in their cupboards when they would pray why because they trusted god their husband the, the father of the children was in prison for preaching the gospel wasn't in there for a crime. He was in there for a crime against the devil, but he was God's righteous servant. And when these children got to praying, angels got released from God's throne and provision angels. How that happens, I don't know. I don't know how a 
brown cow lives in a red barn and drinks, eats green grass and produces white milk. But I don't know how you flip the switch and the lights come on, but I know this, when I flip the switch, the lights come on. I don't know how God heals the sick, but I know this, when we lay hands on the sick and invoke the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, they get healed. I don't understand how to wire electricity, but I know how to flip the switch. I don't know how angels do it or God uses the angels. I just know this, prayer releases the angels. Much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. How much power do you have? Do you have as much power as your cell phone has? If your cell phone starts to go dead, what do you do? You plug it in. Get plugged in in prayer with neology and see what God will do. He'll begin to release angels. So the first way that God releases angels or activates angels or the way that you can activate them from your side since it's a voice-activated kingdom is spend time in prayer and experience neology, which will change your theology and will come in alignment with Scripture. God never does anything contrary to his word, but he has no problem at all doing things contrary to your interpretation of his word. And when you get on your knees, God will change your interpretation or your misinterpretation because God is love. He is power and he has an entire angelic army assigned to you. Did you know that goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life as you dwell in the house or the presence of the Lord? Okay, number two in the ways in which you can activate angels from our side on earth. See, it's a partnership. We need to pray that it might be done as Jesus taught us in Matthew 6. Pray that it might be done where? In earth as it is in heaven. So angels ascend and descend as we pray. Number two, presence of God. God's presence is filled with angels. When we walk with Jesus in relationship, we have angelic assistance and protection by proximity. I'm going to repeat that. God's presence is filled with angels. Angels live in God's presence. And if we live in God's presence, we'll have cohabitation with, you know, angels. We will live in proximity with God. And by extension, angels are in proximity with God. We live in the world by the devil. We'll have demonic activity. How many would like to have more angelic activity than demonic activity? And when you do go into the world to preach the gospel, you have angelic assistance so you're not alone in that situation. You're shot like an arrow of light to bring light into the darkness to turn on the lights. And don't you know that light is more powerful than darkness? You don't cast darkness out by screaming at it. You cast darkness out by simply flipping the switch. Again, I don't understand electricity but I know how to flip the switch. I don't understand angels, but I do know how to flip the switch and activate them in prayer and also with the presence of God. So here's the scripture, Isaiah 63, 9, presence of God, second way to activate angels. In all of their affliction, he was afflicted and the angel of God's presence saved them. The angel of what? The angel of God's presence saved the children of Israel. In God's love and in his pity or mercy, he redeemed them and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. The word presence means face. It's Strong's Hebrew number 6440 from the Old Testament. The word presence is the word pawnim. Pawnim. And so it means face. So there's a few verses I just want to share with you. 
Cain said to God, today you are driving me. This was after Cain, with the spirit of jealousy, slayed his brother Abel. You say to yourself, oh, they're just jealous of me. That's a murdering spirit. Don't play with that thing. Take it serious. The first murder in the Bible was in response to a spirit of jealousy. Mm -hmm. Say law. Pause and reflect. That spirit of jealousy is nothing to be playing with. You need to take that thing seriously. You need to ask God to break that thing off of whoever it is because they'll destroy your character, they'll destroy your job, they'll destroy your relationships, they'll do anything they can because they're jealous. And let me tell you something else I learned. The favor of God will cause people to be jealous because they don't know how you're doing it. Not realizing it's not by works lest any man could boast, it's a free gift of God. The favor of God will open doors for you that none can shut. The favor of God will do things for you in a day that people have done thousands of days of labor. A day of favor is better than a thousand days of labor. A day of favor will position you into a place that labor can't get you, but only character will keep you in that place once the day of favor has opened the door. Joseph was brought out of the prison house in a single day and made prime minister over an entire nation because of the favor of God, but it was because of his character developed in the furnace of affliction between age 70 in Potiphar's house and also in, uh, in, in, in Potiphar's house and then in the prison house. And then God exalted him to prime minister over the entire nation because character was developed. So if you're not been promoted yet, favor hasn't come, don't get jealous of people that have been promoted. Say, God, I know mine is coming next. I celebrate their success. And you wait for God to promote you. Allow him to develop that character in you. Cain said to God, Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Genesis 4.14 said, Cain slew Abel. There are things that will cause a wedge between you and God. It's called sin. But your iniquities have separated between you and God, Isaiah 59, 200, that he cannot hear you. It's not that God can't hear, it's our sins separate us, it drives a wedge. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know that you can return to the penthouse just like that with God. What is the penthouse? It's the highest place with God. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, Romans 2, 4. Did you know that the word repent means to return to the pent or the highest place with God just like that? Repentance is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. I was on the phone with a woman today, and she was calling me about prayer. My wife, she calls us for prayer sometimes, and, and she says, yeah, she says, I had to repent. She was all sad that she had to repent. And I said, you mean you got a chance to return to the penthouse, the highest place with God? And she paused. I said, you got right back in right standing with God because you came out of agreement with what was error and you came into agreement, which was God. And she laughed. She says, yeah, I'm back in the penthouse. Mm -hmm. So repentance isn't a bad thing. It's not guilt, shame, and condemnation that you had to repent. You got the opportunity to go back to the penthouse and start afresh with God like the prodigal was taken back in. They killed the fatted calf. I just declare and decree right now that as you come out of agreement with that which you know has been wrong, God is restoring you to the penthouse right now. He's bringing you back up the elevator of his mercy and grace, and he's killing the fatted calf for you 
And he's putting that signet ring of authority back on your hand to restore you not just to the former glory you had before, but the former and the latter glory together. Because when we confess our sins, our mistakes, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness as if it had never occurred. Some of you are thinking to yourself, well, what I've done, I have to start in the mailroom. No, he's bringing you back to the penthouse, the highest place with God, because you returned to the penthouse when you repented. Know ye not, it is the goodness of God that leadeth thee to the penthouse to repent or to repentance, Romans 2.4. That's just exciting. So I break off guilt, shame, and condemnation, and I declare the ministry of angels to be released to you, even as you've been through a tough season. Right now, I declare double for your trouble and divine restoration. I also declare that which has been stolen from you in accordance with Proverbs 6.30 and 31, that we forgive those that have done it, and now we declare a sevenfold return. Nobody despises a thief if they steal when they're hungry. Nevertheless, if they be caught and we catch the enemy right now, and we forgive the enemy's person that was used. We forgive the person, but we go after the enemy. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. And I declare sevenfold. Nobody despises a thief. Proverbs 6, 30 and 31. If he steals when he's hungry, nevertheless, when he be caught, he must restore sevenfold. He must give all the goods of his household. So we release in this voice-activated kingdom, the angels to go plunder hell, populate heaven, to go get your stuff back with interest. And we plunder the treasures of darkness through the blood of Jesus, and we declare restoration. And I declare a crown of restoration on your name and your family and your inheritance and under your children and your children's children. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalms 22, 3. And now I'm telling you what, God just did something there. I could feel that. Definitely not in my notes. But it was on God's mind in his heart because you haven't known how good he is. But now you have a better understanding. Email us about when God does that manifestation. Proverbs 22, 3. But you are holy, O God. You are enthroned in the praises of Israel. Samuel, 2 Samuel 22, 11. God rode upon a cherub and flew and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. I mean, I, I like to drive a car. God likes to drive, you know, how ride angels. Some people like to ride horses. But right here we see at least one passage where God rides on angels. Now, does he need an angel? He's God. No. But for whatever reason, he likes to do that from time to time. So the presence of God or the face of God is where the angels are at. And when you are in the presence of God, which often comes through prayer and neology, or in worship and in praise, what happens is the presence comes and because angels are present with him and he inhabits the praises, what happens is when praises go up, blessings come down and angels are released. Number three, proclamation. You shall also decide and decree a thing. This is Job 22, 28, the Amplified Version. You can read it in other versions as well. Proclamation. You shall also decide and decree a thing. You'll proclaim a thing. And it shall be established for you, and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. When you proclaim a thing, God confirms the word spoken with signs and wonders following. He will command his angels regarding you to pick you up in their hands, let you dash your foot against the stone, not Psalms 91. He will 
cause his angels to hearken unto the voice of his word in your mouth. And did you know that angels travel as fast as lightning? So when you declare a thing, they come right in. They're not like the cops that takes a few minutes to get there or a few hours. They're not defunded. They're fully funded. They are employed based upon you. Now, we've got some unemployed angels that are looking to get in the game. Will you give them a job? You know, I had a friend of mine, and he was uh, he, he was on, had a vision. He was out uh, on a, a vacation, you know, with the Lord and trying to get a few days off from ministry. And he was at this uh, this this, this uh, what do you call those log cabins? And he was in prayer, and he's like, you know, God, what do I do? And the Lord says, I want you to go out on the on the on the porch there. And he goes out, and there was five angels out there. And he's like, Lord, what are they doing? They look bored. He goes. They're waiting to go to work. And he said, what do you mean they're waiting to go to work? Why, why don't you put them to work? He goes, they're unemployed. And he said, well, why are they unemployed? He says, because you haven't begun declaring the things I've been showing you in prayer. Because they go and they get employed. When you declare a thing, they go into action. And he's like, oh my gosh. So he looked at his notes and he began to declare the things that God had shown him that God wanted done in the earth. He began to declare what he got by revelation. He began to declare it by proclamation and instantly, and the angels got happy that they had jobs. Now we don't care, we don't command angels around, but what happens is we cooperate with angels. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We cooperate with the Word. We cooperate with God when we get revelation of what he wants done in the earth. I remember there was a woman, I was preaching a message called uh, No One Goes to Hell by Accident. This is actually on, on video on virtualchurchmedia.com and virtualchurchtv.com. No one goes to hell by accident. And I'm preaching this message, and this woman gets convicted during the message. And then she like starts to go into what appears to be cardiac arrest. And then she starts to turn purple in the service. Right? And I'm thinking, what do I call, you know, 911? Do uh, what, what do I do? Do I, I preach the gospel of healing? Uh, what, and I asked the Lord, I said, God, I said, is this spiritual? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it demonic? What is it? And he said, yes, deal with it. <laughs> I'm thinking, and I look on video, I look very calm, like I've got this calm authority, but on the inside, I was not calm. I had turmoil. It was a divine tension, you know. She dies in the service. Is it my fault as the pastor? Because I didn't call the cop. I mean, I didn't call the ambulance. If, if I call the ambulance, do I look like I didn't do the right thing? You have to be led by the Spirit in whatever you do. And so I just, with calm authority, stopped. I said, we stopped for healings. And I called her out of the heart attack. And everybody in the, in the congregation saw her. It was a very alarming moment. And our worship leader was there. She says, yeah, she was purple. <laughs> <laughs> and so... God delivered her out of that heart attack. And was it emotional? Was it physical? Was it spiritual? Was it uh, demonic? And the answer is, yeah, it was all of that. And God didn't care about what it was. He wanted me to declare a thing. And I spoke. I said, I bind the spirit of death off of you in the name of Jesus. And I release the spirit of life. I cancel the enemy's assignment. I eradicate the stratagems of the enemy. And I release the healing power of God to you. And I declare this thing reversed and resolved. Something like that came out of my mouth in that moment and addressed those things. And instantly she was delivered because it's a voice activated kingdom. Too often Christians are silent when they should speak. And too often Christians mm -hmm. 
should stop speaking and be silent. <laughs> so when you have the word of the Lord in your mouth, declare a thing. When you don't, remain silent or go back in prayer with neology until you have the word of the Lord and the love of God in your mouth. The fourth way that we see activating angels is in paying vows. Solomon paid vows unto God and God showed up and showed off in response. He did 7,000 bullocks, 7,000 rams, 7,000 this, 7,000 that. It took him a week to sacrifice all the animals unto the Lord. And in response, God released to him peace in his kingdom. Solomon made some other mistakes. I mean, he had 700 wives, 300 concubines, and 1,000 women. He had issues. But because he was committed to the Lord in other areas, God blessed him all the days of his life. And David, who had been a man of bloodshed, had released a generational blessing over his son of inheritance. So offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High and call upon me, says the Lord, in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me. Psalms 50, verse 14 and 15. Do you know that we have an inheritance when we've paid our vows unto the Lord? We're tithers, we're givers, we've you know, done, if God told us to fast, we fasted. If God told us to, to call somebody and, 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 and to help them out, when we paid our vows, when we made a vow unto the Lord, and we kept that vow. We have something that we can draw on when we need him. Let me read it again. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay your vows unto the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So God is just a prayer of way when we're paid our vows. Now here's another thing. It says in Ecclesiastes, it's better not to vow a vow than to vow a vow and not pay it. For the Lord has no delight in fools. So if you have vowed a vow and not paid it, Either do that and fulfill it or ask the Lord to forgive you and reset the clock and get that right. Don't make foolish vows in the future. If you sense there's a vow that he wants you to make, then you, you get that clearance from him. Then you make it and you do it. And so that's, that's, that's about giving vows. And that's also something that will release the angels of God. Then Jacob made a vow, Genesis 28, 20. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. People said, you can't make a deal with God. God. Well, Jacob did. <laughs> Jacob did. A lot of people did in scripture and so have you. You've made deals with God. And guess what? You can make a deal with God. Just make sure you keep your end because he'll always keep his end and make sure the deal you're making with him is one that's inspired by him to begin with. What prayer does God answer? The ones that are already as well. So why don't you pray that which is God's will in advance. And if you don't know, ask him to fill you with the spirit. You want to know what God's will is? Be not drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be ye filled with the spirit that you might know his will. Amen. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be filled. I release the fresh oil of the Holy Be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I release the angels to minister to you, for you, and as you go out, fill with the Spirit to minister with you in Jesus' name. Then Jacob bowed about, Genesis 28, 20. And we're closing. If God be with me and keep me in this way, that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my Father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which have I set as a pillar shall be God's house, and all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. So he became a tither. Oh, by the way, that's not under the law. That predates the law. That's the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. People say, well, tithing is the, the under the law. No, it actually predates the law. 
Abraham gave a tenth. So get over that thing, partner with God, get your copay down, and you can call upon him and get your vows done. It's, a, it's the best plan I've ever seen. I've seen uh, you know amazing things when we've sown seed and God does miracles. Now that can be out of balance. Uh, you can go watch a teaching called 15 Laws of the Harvest on our site. It's amazing. It's about a two-hour teaching. It goes in the 15 Laws of the Harvest. It'll give the biblical balance because a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But let me tell you something. You get into biblical balance, it'll stretch you. But Jesus was stretched out on the cross for you. Will you let him stretch you in your giving? So there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius the Centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always, but he didn't know God. Isn't that interesting? He had everything down, but he didn't have salvation. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius! And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your giving have come up as a memorial before God. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. And God sent the gospel to Cornelius that him and his whole household were saved. You know, you, when you give generously to the Lord, it catches his attention. And it will cause him to release abundance to you. What's in your hand is too small to be your harvest. Don't think it's your seed and eat it. Sow the seed, plant it. As long as it's in your hand, it's the most it will ever be. But when it leads your hand into the kingdom of God at his directive, it's the least it will ever be. He'll multiply it. And Psalms 22, 3, But thou, Lord, are holy, you inhabit the praises of Israel. So we're closing. Isaiah 58, 14. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. Jacob became Israel when he paid his vows unto the Lord. Jacob became Israel when he was a man of prayer. He practiced the presence of God. He began to proclaim the things he received with revelation from God, and he began to pay his vows unto the Lord. And he had what's referred to as the ministry of angels in his life. Power, presence, protection, and prosperity comes from being in the presence practicing neology that will change our theology that will release the manifestation of angels into our life to where no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as you dwell in the house of the Lord forever so right now I declare that you will have delight in the Almighty and you will lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer known unto him and he will hear you and you will pay your vows. You shall also proclaim or decree a thing and it shall be established for you and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways and when you make, when they try to make you low, you will say there's a lifting up from God and the humble person will be lifted up and saved by God and he will begin to deliver the one for whom you intercede who is not innocent. Yes, the non-innocent one will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. Job 22, verse 26 through 30 in the Amplified Version. I declare and decree your hands clean this day through repentance, turning back to God, away from the world and to him, 
I declare your hands clean before God because you've returned to the penthouse. If you've never accepted and just say, I believe he died on the cross, I turn from my old ways, I turn to you, Jesus, come in to my heart. Sit on the throne. I haven't done a very good job on the throne my whole life. My best thinking got me here. I need new thinking. So I give up my stinking thinking and I receive the mind of Christ. Jesus, take over. Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit and write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you prayed that prayer, email us. Let us know we've got some materials to send to you that are free to encourage you in your growth and your walk. I'm David Herobedian, my wife and I, Joanna, and David Herobedian, virtualchurchmedia.com. We love you in Christ. If there's anything we can do, email us at prayer at virtualchurchmedia.com. We'll pray for you. Our team of intercessors will. And we declare you blessed in all that you put your hand to do this day and all the days of your life. God bless you.